0: I absolutely blew it. Tried to hit the open. I didn't get the bloop. Hi, Dame. Hi, Pete. Uh, I just removed you from the show. There we go. Now you're back. Hi. Hi. I blew it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pete the Planner Show, um, where you will get mediocre technology
1: <laughs> here on the Pete the Planner Show. Dame, you doing all right this week? I think the technology is actually pretty good. I just think it's the uh, the implementation and the, the use of it that, that could be a little better.
0: Okay, um, Dave. Very important stuff going on today, so I do not have a lot of time. So we're going to mm. have to get right to the show. Mm. Um, you know, we're going to dig into the housing bubble or what, the what? Uh, what housing bubble? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to dig into the housing bubble. Uh, I did just breaking news. Breaking news. I, I'm, I'm reporting breaking news. January home sales jumped six point seven percent despite a record low supply. Wow, that happened right as we're talking about the bubble bursting. Uh, So uh, we will get to that uh, here today. Then we're also going to talk about uh, how to engage a significant other if they are not interested in your financial situation. Hello, Jeremy. Good to be joining us on Facebook Live or Meta Live. Nobody knows. No one knows. You know, I, I I dislike that I enjoy Instagram. I still don't like Facebook, but I do dislike that I like Instagram and, and, and utilize it.
1: Are you are you all you took a nice break from social? Yeah. What about you? Where are you at? Uh, I I look at Insta way more than I should. And the fact that Twitter even is on my phone speaks yeah. uh, volumes and. Uh, I would be a better person if I just delete it. Hello, Danza. Good to be with
0: you on Facebook Live. <laughs> you know, if it weren't for Facebook Live, we wouldn't know Danza. That's true. So Danza, we're thankful for Meta. All right, Dame, let's um, actually start the show for realsies. Cause I, I, you know, sometimes I make a joke that I have to go. Uh, I really do have to go today. So let's do that. In three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, at Pete at com. That's askpete at com. and here's what could happen. We may answer your question on the show. We may just let it sit in the inbox and gather cobwebs. And by we, I mean uh, Damian Dunn and I. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Oh, it is good to be with you, sir. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the housing bubble. Oh, yeah, there's a housing bubble. You just don't know when it's going to burst. We're going to talk about the housing bubble. We're going to talk about how to engage a significant other in your financial life if they have no interest, not in you, but in your financial life, uh, and so much more. And I say
1: so much more because you just never know what's going to happen. No, it's it's a total, uh, it's a total crap shoot. Nobody knows.
0: Dame... Key indicator; hence, America is headed for its worst real estate crash in history, according to an article in the Federalist, thefederalist.com. dot So, Dame, what's fascinating about this? I want to I want to go through some particulars here, and, and then and then we'll 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 analyze it with our our hard hitting analysis. <laughs> so, one of the primary tools. The Fed used to accomplish its goals to keep interest rates near zero uh, for years. One of the things they do is, let me restate that. One thing the Fed does is it keeps interest rates near zero to stoke the economy, mm-hmm. right? It, it it makes lending cheap um, in, in, in scary recessionary times by lowering the interest rate. It, it's, again, stoked economic activity. Now, Uh, That's because it allows the government to spend more money um, than, you know, they normally would. And so what's happened from 1980 to the year 2000, the Fed kept the interest rate, uh, generally speaking, around 4% or more. Okay. So from 1980 to 2000, the Fed rate, the federal funds rate was 4% or higher during that 20 year period. And oftentimes... It was 5% or higher, pretty common. And in fact, uh, I'll note that's why a lot of people had 9% mortgages um, in the early 2000s. I know I did. I think I had an 8.75% mortgage, maybe 9.5% mortgage in uh, May of 2000. So, wow. But what has happened since then, from 2009 through 2016, interest rates have consistently been lower than 1%. Beginning in 2017, the first year of the Trump presidency, the Fed began to more aggressively raise rates, but it only briefly topped 2% in 2018 and early 2019, and then something happened, COVID-19, which had the Fed slashing rates once again. So, Dame, the reason why the housing market has taken off is because there's a tremendous number of borrowers because borrowing money is incredibly cheap. And that is all about to change. Dame, you read this article and we were talking about it before the show. There is a shocking percentage drop being predicted right now. What are your thoughts on that? Uh,
1: I think that it, well, first of all, if you haven't contemplated that real estate prices are uh, inflated uh, more than what they should be at this point, uh, let this serve as your wake up call because in real estate, uh, at least uh, residential real estate for sure is astronomically high. And uh, we, we've talked about it you know, how quickly homes are selling. And it's just because exactly of what Pete said, there's plenty of cash out there available for it. Lots of buyers. And what happens? That's basic uh, economic supply and demand. Uh, there are lots of people chasing after the same asset. So that asset's going to increase in price. So if that dries up, if money gets harder to get a hold of, people are less willing to pull that uh, to spend those dollars. You're going to see those prices come back down in order to attract the buyer. So, if that happens, well, prices start to drop, and then maybe it starts snowballing the other direction than what we've had, and it corrects. Uh, the article itself, uh, can I can I be the the spoiler here, Pete, and say Please what do? The- Article suggests potentially a thirty to forty percent drop over. I believe it's at a couple year period, not not just uh, you wake up one morning and all of a sudden your house is worth thirty to forty percent. Yes, less, but over a a relatively short time period, we're going to see a potential significant decline in the overall value of someone's home, and that frankly makes sense right now. Just too many people trying to buy real estate. And inflating prices. After September 11th, yes, the September 11th, 2001,
0: uh, and the economy began to struggle, the Fed lowered interest rates to, to help the, the economy recover. And what ended up happening is the, comp- the, the country got overheated, the economy got overheated, inflation took hold. And so in 2007, 2008, 2009, when those things started to adjust, the housing market was the uh, un- the benefactor of all this. And by benefactor, I mean the bubble popped, the bubble burst. And, and that's why housing prices came so, so far down. Then, Dame, guess what we did? We did it again. We learned nothing. Uh, and we kept interest rates so low that the pool of buyers just kept getting bigger and bigger. Now, there's a lot of things to be concerned about here. And I would also note there's not a lot you can do about it, right? I, I think that's one of these things, or, or not a lot you should do about it. Um, you, for instance, you don't plan on moving anytime soon. Me, I don't plan on moving anytime soon. Our, our interest rates and our mortgages are locked in. We just got to sit back and and watch the uh, economy suffer because of housing prices.
1: Yeah. And uh, beyond that, I don't plan on dipping into my home equity for anything anytime soon either, which would be another consideration that some people might be uh, rolling around in their heads. So if if the value of your home is going down um, and you're able to sit there and write it out, it's probably the best bet.
0: Yeah, one of the weird things about the economy is it is a consumer based economy. It is dependent on people making buying decisions and oftentimes making buying decisions that go against their own personal interests. And so you, you think about the government has always been like pro home ownership mm-hmm. for some reasons, but I think the primary reasons because it drives the economy. So when the housing market takes it on the chin here soon, Uh, you're going to see some of the trades dry up you're going to see of course home building slow down and then everything that comes along with that the mortgage industry banking is going to struggle so this is not a sky is falling segment per se although that's how these things work and we we've we've saw it 10 years ago so it's not that surprising
1: yeah i it's uh it's going to be a real interesting time going forward if you um don't have to move. Don't. Uh, if you are thinking about moving, maybe think that timetable through a little bit more. But one thing we don't know is how many interest rate hikes is it going to take for this to to really start feeling um, painful in the, in the overall market? So is it going to be a couple of quarter percent raises? Is it going to have to go up an entire percent? Uh, how, or how quickly are those raises spaced? There's a bunch of variables that will go into it, and the best thing you can do is just be aware of the surroundings and know what to, what's coming down the path and act or don't act accordingly.
0: You know, after the break, we're going to talk about the biggest winners in this scenario and potentially the biggest losers in this scenario. But I, I will note this. The nature of our economy is that when too many people are spending money, uh, you're going to see inflation, right? And And so there's been so much artificial income pumped into our economy and it's done its job. It it kept our economy afloat. I don't want to be an alarmist or get a little extra weird today, but you you could say the decisions about stimulus saved our economy, right? I mean, you you could make that argument. And I'm also not being overly critical here, Dane, because the levers of how to turn on and off Fed support are really difficult to sense. So I'm not trying to oversimplify this and say the Fed made a mistake. I'm just saying ooh, the sensitivity to the changes may not
1: have been at the right uh, level. No, I, I agree. And it'll be an interesting conversation uh, next segment. Well, thank you for helping with that. So coming up after the break with
0: the uh, housing bubble on the verge of bursting, who could win here? And, and who needs to watch their back? All that's next on the Pete the Planner Show. Nam. Um, the planner craig anderson joins us uh so if you're timing the housing market now is the time you know depends on which side of the equation you're on yeah i I, like i I think that's what we're going to talk about hi craig p anderson i was on craig p anderson's podcast this week did you tell him i said hi like i told you to craig did i tell you hi from dame I doubt it. We know. He I did doubt it. it. We know. I really did. doubt it. Hey, Red, how are you? Biggest winners, <laughs> buy, buy and holders, losers, the buy and over <laughs> leverage. I did say <laughs> hi. I don't. I don't believe it. Craig, I don't believe you either. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh man, sorry, Dame. It's all right. Um, okay. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm trying to do some math here. Um, okay, Dame, let's jump right into this because um, you know You've got, you have got yes left to do. In three, two. One, back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame. First segment talking about the housing market. It could burst, or the bubble, at least the prices, uh, based on inflation and whatnot, and interest rates and whatnot. And anyway, Dame, we were talking about there are going to be winners and there are going to be losers because of this. And so I'm going to let you wax poetically about either the winners or the losers first. Which one would you like to get the first crack at? Uh, let's go with winners. Winners. Who is the perfect winner? Like, not just like buy and hold people because they're always generally a winner, but who is strategically the biggest winner? Are, are we going the, the
1: biggest winner here, Pete? Absolutely. Well, uh, of consumers and, 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 yeah. and citizens. Yes. Uh, the folks who manage to sell their house, rent and waited for the market to pull back, just like we've probably been speculating for the better part of 18 months on the show. If you are in that position to be able to take advantage of high prices and not be forced into buying another house that was inflated, but could bide your time and rent, they're going to get a deal. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Let me, let me, let me say the
0: perfect situation. Like, let me give you a story here. Let's say your kid graduates high school. It's your last kid in the house. And so then it's the, the point where you can run around and in your boxer shorts or whatever. Um, so you're like, ah, we're going to move. You know what? Let's, this, our family house is too big, but we don't know where we want to go. Let's sell our house. by the way, we own it outright because we've been paying on it forever. So we have cash. we we sold it. we got a bunch of cash. Mm-hmm. and we're gonna rent. Let's see if we like this area. know, sure. yeah, we're gonna we're in a town home here, probably pay a little bit more for upkeep. You gotta deal with rent, rental costs. And then we also happen to think that the housing market could have a bubble and it does. And so then the housing market, Bursts the bubble and the the house prices come down. And since you don't have to worry about interest rates because you are a cash buyer and interest rates are theoretically still high, you jump in 18 months after you started renting into the housing market and you bought something for 30% less, yet you sold at the market high. I think people are doing that.
1: You know, a, a version of this plays out. Every day across the United States, people that move from high cost of living areas, coastal cities, and then they move for a job transfer or whatever to the Midwest where they, their house pr- housing prices are essentially cut in half in some cases. They're able to move and have a good amount of equity that they pull out of that house from wherever they're leaving and moving into the Midwest and basically pay a vast majority of the, the cost of the house for a similar size house, maybe even a little bit bigger. And that's kind of what we're talking about that's coming down the road, that that sort of uh, little price difference and and being able to take advantage of the situation. Places affordable like the city of Columbus, Ohio, who I'm doing a live event for
0: here in about an hour. (laughs) I don't know why I brought that up other than I just thought it's an affordable place. Um, Dame, let's talk about losers. Now, I get first crack at losers uh, appropriately. And by the way, if you're in this situation, we're not shaming you. We're not trying to do a haves and have nots. I, I think what we're saying is stead yourself. Is that, is that, is, is <laughs> Ste- that a thing? Steady yourself. Sure. Okay. Because it could get weird. Now, I'm going to go off the top rope here with adjustable rate mortgages. Mm. Okay. So this might not be the worst, but this is pretty bad. Uh, I hate adjustable rate mortgages. I always have. I think it is a foolish bet for people who oftentimes either try to afford more home or in turn try to buy something that they can't afford and the adjustable rate mortgage makes it feasible. So I think what could happen is in the next, let's say two reset periods, uh, let's say you bought a house a year ago and then they, they see you know what the interest rates are to, to set your mortgage term for the next 12 months or so. Dame, that. That could be problematic, especially if you had maybe a 3-1 arm that you took out uh, two years ago, right? And so then it, it resets after that third year, and you could talk about a 2 3% bump in interest rates. That's a big change.
1: Yeah, the timing is not going to work out in your favor in that case. Uh, the, the house that you bought for a very uh, high price, if you are thinking about moving or if the plan was to, uh, I'm only going to be here a couple of years, year and a half, I'm going to sell this house and, and move on because I'm not going to be able to afford an interest rate, or I just am going to have to change, uh, locations. You might be faced with a really, really tough problem with not being able to move your house quite as fast as you thought it, you might be able to, and it might be worth less than you thought it was going to. So you might be in a pinch on that situation, but you know, arms were super popular for a while. was, uh, housing prices were increasing and people were in transitory spots and especially on the coasts where you know, prices were, were just skyrocketing or seemed to always skyrocket. So there, there are people who, who make um, impassioned pleas that the arm is the right solution for their, their mortgage purposes, but they do come with a lot of caveats and, and quite a bit of danger let me let me extend two other nightmare scenarios uh,
0: oftentimes what we see is when people build a new house new construction and they get themselves an arm and then after 18 months of being in that home then the property taxes aren't just for the land but they're then for the structure you see your mortgage payment go from well, 900 bucks to like 2100 bucks cuz you add in property taxes yeah uh, increase and then you see your arm adjust as well I would also note the second nightmare scenario on top of that, Dame, is what happens to all the people to afford home ownership who got into interest-only mortgages? Forget arms, yeah. interest-only mortgages that just depend on the home increasing in value for it to make sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you start with getting the arm and it ends up costing you the leg. Oh, my. How, wait. Dame. I'm smiling. I'm not going to
0: (laughs) audibly acknowledge it. Uh, Anyway, so what is a person to do? There's three ways to look at this. You need to protect yourself from making a move now that would subject you to some of these ills we've just talked about. So don't make a mistake. But I would say a lot of people probably just need to just chill out. I think where this gets dangerous is if you try to get too cute and take advantage of it somehow and mistime it. Anytime you mistime any market or try to time any market, it often ends up mistimed, and I don't think that's any different than the housing market.
1: No, if you are trying to, uh, you know, get one over on 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 the man or trying to be the smartest person in the room, that can backfire big time, and you want to make sure that you are setting yourself up for. Uh, the ability to have a very stable financial life. You, you don't need to take a big swing on something as important and costly as housing in your financial life. How do you think uh, rent
0: uh, rental prices will follow this housing bubble burst? I mean, because what you'll have, you have a ton of foreclosures, right? Uh, and so you'll have people coming onto the rental market, but they will be at that point, subprime borrowers or subprime from a credit perspective, uh, renters. Um, so you're going to have a lot of demand for the rental market. So like, w- like what do you think is going to happen? Are prices going to come up? I mean, you could see a, a temporary price increase in the rental market as housing prices come down.
1: Yeah, you, you could theoretically see that bump because there are a bunch of people chasing after a relatively fixed supply of rentals. And that would cause prices to go up, just like we were discussing earlier. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Maybe uh, maybe landlords go out and start buying some of these foreclosed homes and end up turning around and use them as rentals. And, and the supply somewhat uh, finds some, some equilibrium. But uh, I, don't, uh, I don't foresee that happening right away.
0: I don't know if it's because I'm hungry, but every time you say rentals, I hear lentils. Mm-hmm. And I just want like some, some delicious soup. That's one of, one of my TD's favorites is lentil soup. Here's the thing about lentils. On the surface, there's no reason to like them. I mean, really. I mean, they're, they're sort of in the lima bean category, but then you have it and you're like, there's something earthy and chalky and nutty about this. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the lentil market. Coming up after the break, Dame, how to engage a significant other in your financial life if they're not interested or bad with it. All that's next on the Pete the Planet Show. I'm PTP.
1: I mean, lentil soup is good. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a lima bean guy? You mentioned lima beans. Are you a lima bean Um, guy too? I
0: I really do eat anything, but uh, clearly I I don't mind lima beans, but I would never actually choose them. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, Where do you stand with barley? Do you have a barley take, like a hot barley take? I don't. I don't have
1: Hmm. uh, any barley opinions whatsoever. You know who loves barley more than any human should? Mrs. Planner, I was I was going to go with a, an, a, an animal, but I'm I'm glad you threw that human part in there because that would have been really embarrassing. Danza
0: says, when I was working in foreclosure prevention, ARM, interest only, HELOC, reverse mortgages, HOA, and the solar panels were maddening. How did the solar pla- panels play into that? Hmm. Um. So. Let us Danza, how does solar panels plan out? We were not starting the next segment until you give us an explanation. <laughs> uh, Jeremy did note that PTP is that new self-given rap name. I, I will note that, have I mentioned on the show that Ted has officially changed his rap name? Uh, I saw it was being contemplated. I didn't know it actually went through. So this is more complicated than I even put on Twitter. Um So Mrs. Planner came to me and said, hey, have you heard this situation with Ted and his rap name? And I was like, well, I mean, 89 Diamonds was a pretty good rap name for no reason. And so she goes, he changed it to Too Much Diamonds. Not Too Many Diamonds, Too Much Diamonds. And I was like, I kind of like that. So I went to him and I was like, Ted, I heard about your new rap name, it's Too Much Diamonds. And he said, that's wrong. I was like, (laughs) oh, it is. he goes, it's Diamonds Too Much. And I was like, that's even better.
1: oh we we need to get ted to uh, assign rap nicknames for everyone in our office oh ooh, i could do that uh danza
0: says pace loan no payments but you pay through property taxes oh that's so you buy the solar panels oh, with yeah. a pace loan <clears throat> got it okay. like at like a danza educating us dame have you been able to make out what the crawling banner says today Uh, I've been paying attention to the show Pete not the banner can anyone in the comments let us know what's going on in the banner today if you know you know if you
1: don't clearly is that a uh, a Hanson Brothers song lyrics Hanson yeah what's wrong with you Uh,
0: Jeremy notes maybe he should make a rap name for the opening uh, make a rap for the opening of the show now he's a little
1: shy with his sort of rapping you know well dj metronome made that little uh mix of of some of his stuff for him
0: uh the banner since none of you got it because craig guessed dolly parton it's uh eric b and rakim's paid in full (gasps) come on I have the lyrics i will probably get copyrighted or whatever that's called for that all right let's do the show three two one i almost hit in broadcast let's start over in (laughs) three two one Back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame. Now you are married to a person in the financial world. Yeah, you are, and she is married to a person in the financial world. She is, which is to suggest that both of you, both of you, have interest in your financial lives. Is that true?
1: Uh, interest, yes, of uh, varying uh, degrees. Easy, yeah. easy. He, various duties. Uh, degrees degrees okay so i i will
0: note that you are probably uh in a unique situation there's not a lot of households in this country where there is a single financial expert in your household there are two financial experts mm-hmm. and uh in the other households in america people have to sometimes struggle to care about money and it's enough for one person to struggle to care about money but sometimes you find a scenario in which uh the other person not only struggles, but just has zero interest whatsoever. Sure. And that can become problematic. So we're going to spend some time talking through how important really is it that both people have an interest and uh, what degree of that interest is of the uh, highest import. So Dame, can a couple survive? doesn't have to be a married couple. It could be someone who just shares finances. They are significant others. Can a couple survive financially with one person doing
1: everything? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It happens all the time. There are uh, people uh, in these situations who are uh, a little bit more laissez-faire with, with their their perspective and their approach towards money. And there are some that are, are you know, they got the old green visor on and they're, they're head down crunching the numbers, making sure everything goes. But if you can work together as a team and appreciate and respect each other's perspectives, you can find, without too much trouble, uh, in, in, in my opinion, a, a happy medium in there to where um, you're actually going to end up making each other's lives better by being on those opposite ends of the spectrum. The, the, the person who has a more free approach is going to have some stability brought into their life by the other side, and then, of course, the other way. Uh, that person who uh, is a little bit more focused on the numbers is going to be encouraged to get out and and experience a little bit more uh, with using their money, uh, using the the couple's assets uh, in a way that will benefit them now and not just in the future.
0: You know, I think this is the most challenging for are people who got married a little bit later, mm-hmm. because you, you you get sort of ways of running your finances. Mrs. Planner and I got married as mere babies. Mm-hmm. Like Muppet babies, if you will. Remember remember the show Muppet Babies? It was the best. It was so good. Rolf, the dog? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a great show. Who voiced that? Who do you, I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up after the show. Who did his voice? Uh, I don't know. But I'll just say Muppet Babies is a great show. Anyway, Mrs. Planner and I were Muppet Babies when we were married. Uh, and so we kind of learned together of like what it's like to be an adult with money. But if you're 32 instead of 22 and you've had 10 years of money-in, that's right, money-in. Oh, that'd be a good name of a podcast.
1: Money-in. Like, sounds like a financially conscious uh, cooking show, you know, money and onion to kind of squish together.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's much harder when, when you got two entities coming together. Dame, here's one for you. Do you think it's harder or easier when both people bring
1: Close to an equal amount of income in. Ooh, uh, in theory, I would think it's easier. Uh, you're going to have um, if you had. Are we still talking about the uh, folks later in life, or just anybody in any situation? At this general point? anything uh, in general. Uh, there's going to be less of a propensity to think uh, somebody has the the upper hand and the say of of what somebody's going to do or, or where that money's going to go if you're coming in on equal footing. Whereas if somebody makes eighty percent of the income and somebody makes twenty percent of the income they may think that well I make most of the income so I'm going to make most of the decisions or my my opinion is going to count more when it's uh, more equal that hopefully goes by the wayside and, and people understand that there's a, an equal responsibility on both parties
0: you know what I have noticed over the last 20 years or so of talking to people about their money and I you know to be honest I might talk to people about their money now but I don't get a lot of scenarios where people are talking to me about their money. They're usually talking to you, Dave, and, and your team. I have a hypothesis for you or an idea here that, that maybe you can reflect on. What I used to see all the time from, let's call, 2000 to 2012, okay? I used to see that sometimes, a lot of times, when there were um, a heterosexual couple, there was a, a a man and a woman. If the woman had significantly higher earnings than a, a man within the relationship, there were there were issues <laughs> the, 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 not always not always. But it was like how people had been socialized from a gender perspective, how people were raised. And so I always remember working with people where if if let's say the wife made a lot more money, I was very cognizant. Of the fact that whatever they're dealing with, I needed to be on the lookout for that dynamic and
1: call it out. And I'm curious if you've ever noticed that as well. Yeah, I I've noticed that for sure. I've got some uh, some very personal experience with, with my Mrs. Not my Mrs. Planner, but my. Oh my we have God. to come up with a better. We Let's have to come happen- up with a better name for her. Yeah. Uh, the boss. Yeah. Th- yeah. Th- my boss uh, was on a, a path to have a very very uh, lucrative career and income. And her, uh, her boss over her was amazed that, that we dealt with it as well as we did, uh, that, that we were just like, well, oh, we're on the same team this is all going in the same direction. So, uh, it, it's not common. It, it's not, uh, for whatever reason, it may be in different parts of the com- uh, country, you and I would have experienced, uh, different outcomes, but for uh, during, especially during that period of time, it was uh, something you ran into fairly frequently. I, I I do believe, though, this
0: perfectly fine idea has been so normalized that it has less of an impact than it did in the early 2000s. I, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of women who make a lot more than their partner, and it seems like less of an issue than what I used to see 15 years ago.
1: Yeah, and we've had uh, a, a little bit of a, a renaissance in as far <laughs> as what we've looked at. Traditional rolls <clears throat> inside oh, America. Whoa. Yeah, that was great. Whoa. whoa. Traditional Who's in charge of-, of buying lozenges at your yeah. house? Uh gonna have to do something. You
0: remember there. a Ludens lozenge? Remember those? They came in the tin can Ludens? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, I do. My dad used to he whatever car he had, that man had ludens. And I think they were wrapped, I feel like they were mm-hmm. individually I think, wrapped I think in they were a tin
1: can, like an Altoids tin. Mm-hmm. What did you, did you? just throw those tins away, or did you use them to stash? Oh,
0: I used to boo radley the heck out of those things. I would put all sorts of things in there. I'm like, this one's for fingernails. I'm just kidding. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! You know, my dad would always buy things that came in tin cans. Like we get, uh, like like Cypheries or like Mike sells potato chips that came in the light brown can. And they came in a big can and then they had a tin. It's like my dad was always buying things that came in a tin. We had this ointment that you would put on yourself if you got injured in our home. It's called Crystal Salve, And it came in this big tin. It was this brown, thick Vaseline stuff that my dad still owns the same jar of it that he's had (laughs) since I was like five. And like occasionally, like he'll dip some out and put it in a Ziploc bag and give
1: it to us (laughs) in case we need any and it all comes from a tin i think the only thing my family bought that was in a tin were bottles of scotch really yeah i mean Mm. it was it was uh your dad's your dad was a scotch drinker no but my grandma was
0: Uh. (laughs) oh man yeah i i've had to have told you this i don't this is a financial show by the way i i've had to tell you in the past that my uh uh, my wife's grandma, she used to have like four gin-soaked or eight gin-soaked raisins a day for pain. And she said it worked great. Those raisins would <laughs> suck up so much gin. <laughs> she was just doing like Jaeger bombs off of her, her Midwest kitchenette. And it just cracked me up. She's like, I don't feel any pain. I'm like, well, don't drive.
1: <clears throat> what a better way to spend your uh, your golden years. Okay. We should.
0: Anyway, financial. <laughs> 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 sorry Yeah. Uh, all right Dame uh, let's do this coming up after the break biggest waste of money of the week I think I got a really good one this week I saw this and I was like I only know one person my friend Zane is the only person I know that would buy this and he would enjoy it and it wouldn't be a waste of money for him but for any other human this would be the biggest waste of money of the week so we're gonna talk about that next we got some current events some controversial current events maybe who knows stay tuned that's next um Beat the planner. I must said eighty nine diamonds there, but I don't want to steal a guy's rap name and get into no. a little bit of a street beef, you know. You could have done uh, eighty nine diamonds senior. No, that's true. That. Um, do you want to hear the "I'm an old irrelevant man" uh, moment of the week? Do you have time? Oh, it's a quick one. Okay. I I I have never. <laughs> it was. It's embarrassing. It's not that big a deal. But it, it was like a real, oh my God, I'm an old man moment. So we're in a meeting, uh, uh, me and, and two of our other colleagues okay. at an offsite location day. And the room is filled with people primarily of the millennial generation, okay? Um, I'm clearly the oldest man in the room. And I was trying to make a funny, witty uh, comment <laughs> about pop culture and that oh is this a prank and i said oh what austin kutcher gonna pop out behind the curtain (laughs) and then (laughs) and then everyone looks at me like austin really and i was like yeah uh, ashton kutcher like so i'm trying to be like funny and relevant so a, I I give this dated reference that they probably were in fifth grade when punked was on and b. I call him Austin, and I don't, I don't care about some senior coocher, but I called him Austin, and it was just like, man, this stinks. Nice try. Mm.
1: This is a nice try.
0: I will say I'm really excited that uh, my girls' soccer team season started back up. We're going. It is amazing. I love coaching 12-year-old girls' soccer. It's got to be indoor, I hope.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean,
0: indoor. New facility there in Caramel. Mm. Um, can I, tell? I, my dad drives a school bus, you know, this, I mean, everyone knows this. Yeah. he told me, yeah, he's driving a school bus now. And, uh, I was asking him this last weekend about, um, <laughs> Kristen just said third grade was punk. <laughs> Kristen, I am not happy with what you just said there. <laughs> um, and so I was talking to my dad about the snow that was here last week or whatever and how he was able to navigate yeah. the bus because he's within his first couple of years of driving the bus. And he said, well, you know, there are two gated communities on my route. And I was just like, that's the most Carmel
1: bus driver thing of all time. There are two gated communities on my route. It just made me giggle. Does uh, Now I'm curious. Do they have someone at the gate to let him in or does do all the buses have little clickers to to let them through? Well, now I I mean... You want to get them on the phone? I I don't know. Maybe you can just report back to us next. Yeah, time.
0: I I mean, surprising my mom would be funny. Surprising <laughs> my dad seems disrespectful,
1: <laughs> which also says something terrible. Maybe we should do a, a live remote from the back of a bus one day and just uh you know drive around. Two creepy
0: bald men hiding in the back of a school yeah. bus. Yeah, Is that what you're going with. Yeah. Hey, uh, I do have a – I know we were just talking about diamonds too much a few minutes ago, Mm -hmm. but I did want to note that he had a career-high 11 rebounds in a game the other day.
1: I saw that. Um, It was crazy. It's like Tito Rodman out there. Just heart and hustle. That's all rebounds come down to. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I was talking to my cousin yesterday who is a comedian out in L.A. and a budding – television writer um and it was really cool to talk to someone going for it like i love to talk to someone who is going for it but they do it in a smart way that doesn't have too much of a contingency plan that it that Mm -hmm. it sort of distracts you Mm -hmm. and i was pretty thrilled with it And, and the best part about this guy is when he sends me his stand up for me to uh, uh, give him honest opinion about because I'm a former comedian I don't have to lie to him and say it's good because it really is funny <laughs> yeah you know that's awesome yeah
1: so anyway has he got a, got a YouTube channel or something you want to plug to get, um, some, get some views I don't know I'd have to look that
0: up so let me we'll see I'll send you a clip though okay it's pretty funny okay um, oh bum yeah yeah. Very busy. Got a lot to do in. Oh, hold on. And uh, let's share the screen. Oops. I've already shared it. I'm an old man. The, the old man thing is not going it. well for there me. Here is. we go. In three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the Sandbox Smart R2 Coffee Roaster. Dame, I don't know if you know much about coffee. But home baristas are now one step closer to a complete coffee shop experience. The compact sandbox smart R2 coffee roaster simplifies the process for at-home use. The machine features a quartz eh, timeout. I love saying the word quartz. Really? Say it. Quartz. Did you enjoy that? It was, I mean, it wasn't horrible. I love that word. Quartz. Feature. I like to really get the U in there.
1: Oh, quartz! Yeah, everyone do it. Do you, do you like it when somebody else says it, or just when you say it?
0: Well, when that someone else says it, I think it, and then and then I'll say it because it's just like it's like a, a yawn at that point. It's just going to mm. contagious. Quartz. The machine features a quartz heating tube with a detachable drum for evenly roasted beans in every batch. A built-in smoke extractor keeps your interior fresh while it's quiet. Operation won't disrupt your daily routine. To minimized cleanup, a chaff collector catches which wa- chaff's good too. <laughs> oh catches waste and its patented design includes an inlet door and output latch for easy pouring and releasing. Dame, what do you think an at home coffee roaster uh would cost? Uh four seventy nine. sure $2,100 for the sandbox smart r2 coffee roaster now here's the thing occasionally on the show we will mention i will mention bloms that are kickstarters Mm -hmm. and and i have to be honest i feel bad about that i know i'm making jokes uh, and and I don't really care if anyone spends their money on this and support business, small business. And so I feel especially bad when I beat up a product from a Kickstarter. I don't feel bad when I beat up Louis Vuitton or whatever, but I do feel a little bit bad. But $2,100 to, to ro- roast your own coffee in your kitchen, I don't... Because you still have to buy the beans. Mm-hmm. You're All you're doing is... Taking it to the roast you want, which you could just buy beans of which you like that. I just I don't understand this.
1: Yeah, it it seems like this has a very limited market uh, in my perspective, but maybe uh, maybe the people who want to try roasting their own is bigger than than I'm giving it credit for. Dane, what's in the news this week? Well, Pete, Virgin Galactic opened space ticket sales to the general public earlier this week. And they can be yours for a price of... Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. $200,000. $450,000. Don't worry, Pete, that's 150 dollars up front and three hundred dollars later. So maybe it's not the general public, but for some people, for sure. Astronaut joyriders will launch from New Mexico aboard Virgin Galactic Spaceship 2 Unity in groups of four beginning later this year. After Unity, attached to a carrier plane, reaches an altitude of 50,000 feet, Unity's engine ignites and propels itself into space. Once there, weightless ticket holders can observe our pale blue dot through 17 windows. But a simple trip into space isn't all you get out of the deal, Pete. No, no, no. The half of Bill reservations also come with several days of training. A bespoke Under Armour spacesuit, <laughs> the opportunity to purchase an astronaut edition Range Rover, what? and probably some luxurious onboard mix nuts. Wait, did you say
0: by spending $450,000, you get an additional opportunity to
1: spend $100,000? Yes, yes. We, I, yeah.
0: I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, not everybody can buy that astronaut edition Range Rover, Pete, only astronauts. Okay, so let's. can we forget money for a second
0: like we did in the third segment? Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, forgetting money, doing this, like 10 being, oh, my gosh, I would absolutely love to go, and, and 1 being, no, I don't want to go. I have no interest. Just shush. And then you, like, touch my lips to shush them. But you've washed your hands or sanitized in some mm-hmm. way. Where
1: are you 1 to 10? Uh, 20 years ago, this would have been a 12. Uh, okay, I absolutely space camp guy, would have done yeah. that, but but now I've got uh, a family and responsibilities, and it's I would still be interested in doing it, but probably uh, an eight. Okay, you know I do. I have to admit I really appreciate that. Like
0: at one point before a family, I would do this. Like I, it's funny. Like I have a lot of those things in my life where like before my family, I would do this, this or this. Now I have a family. Uh, I, I'm good. I don't yeah. need to do that anymore. So I appreciate that. So you think eight right now? Yeah, I'd, I,
1: I would still be interested in doing it, but I would definitely have more uh, consideration at this point. You know, I, I'm a probably a four, four or
0: five. I, you know, I've had some pretty interesting experiences that uh, I, I've, I've been able to do, and I appreciate those experiences, but like when I'm in it I just I don't care for it. So hmm. I was uh I rode in the pace car before a champ car race. Nice. At Cleveland back in the day. On the runway. On the runway, so the pace car driver driving at speed a couple mm-hmm. laps. And this is before the race. This is like there's the, the other cars on the track. It's sort of like a promotional thing. And this is like an exclusive thing. It's interesting. It's like it's like the two-seater, right? You know, mm-hmm. But it, right. it was a Camaro or something. I don't know what it was. I don't even know. Uh, terrifying. Like it was just like, like the person was turning like 90 degrees at like 120 miles an hour. You got nothing yeah. to hold on to. And um, – I didn't know who had worn the helmet before me. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm a four or five on the space thing.
1: What if, uh, what if it was like a backseat of a blue angel or thunderbird? Would you do that?
0: That's a good question too. You know, that one's higher. That one's higher. That one's a nine. I used to want to skydive, but again, once I had kids, mm-hmm. no, I used to bungee jump all the time. That really? was fine. I didn't care about that. Yeah. I didn't picture you as a bungee jumper. Well, here's what you've learned about me over the last several years. It's hard to find moments in which I am fun, but there are a few, and
1: and being a bungee jumper is one of them. What was the the the, the biggest bungee jump you made? Uh, I don't know. Uh, bun, bungee? I
0: don't know. I said it <laughs> no, for a while. I don't No, I'm not saying what you said. I was like, how no, how I just high? measured it in how long I went. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't I don't remember. It was this like 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 college? Like no, like at, oh. a at fairs or were you out like at a, 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 <laughs> a, a you know jumping off of a bridge? What what were you doing?
0: Here? It was a 4H uh rabbit fair where people are having rabbit. No, it was I don't where was I? Gatlinburg maybe? Oh, yeah. I've done it. Um yeah. It, remind me to tell you a Gatlinburg story later
1: uh from that trip, college trip. Not appropriate. Hmm. Uh, Dane, what else is in the news? The amount of money the average American was expected to spend on Valentine's this year was what I guess uh, expected to spend on Valentine's this year okay Th- this these year. are always just horrible right they're just $370 $208 according Ooh. to a survey published by Lending Tree. that's a 44% increase from last year Valentine's Day is now the uh, in the rear view let's remind ourselves that in the words of famous American poet Jennifer Lopez, love don't cost a thing. How much did you spend on Valentine's Day this year, sir? Uh, less than $50. bucks. 0 Ooh, I don't know if that's
0: something I'd be bragging about on the radio. I know. I don't feel good about that. Uh, but it was one of those things like, like we had kids' activities that night. I Okay, well, maybe this. I made everyone a really nice dinner on Super Bowl Sunday, oh. the day before uh-huh. Valentine's Day. So maybe that counts.
1: Yeah, I think we can – Chalk that up to uh, you know give you the, the the leeway a little bit of overrun there. Last story. Don't do the one. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I purposely I ignored that one. Uh, most millennial millionaires have a bulk of their wealth in. Uh, most millennial millionaires have their bulk of their wealth in crypto. That's right. And they're planning, they're planning to add more in 2022. Despite recent price declines, fully 83% of millennial millionaires own crypto, according to the survey, which polls investors with investable assets of a million dollars or more.
0: Boy, that's as, about as predictable as uh, well, the opposite of me being predictable by bungee jumping. So there you go. Dame, thanks for being here. Sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner radio program. All right. So I have not checked my email this entire show. Nice job. And I've seen that my email has grown by three. Don't do it. I know. Well,
1: no, I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to leave the show. I'm going to cancel, like, end the show. Uh, more than half of those millennial investors, by the way, have at least 50% of their wealth in crypto. Okay, I can't. I can't with that, man.
0: Try not to be that guy. You Uh know, I'm not Austin Kutcher, okay? I'm just bringing the news to the people. All right, dude. Um, uh, Have a good day. I'll talk to you later. Everyone else, um, well, there's only one thing you can do. That's stay getting money.